Due to COVID-19, this podcast was recorded remotely and may contain adult language and themes. Hello and welcome to TV DNA. I am your host, Damo, alongside my other hosts. Say hello, Neil. Buenos dias. And say hello, Adam. Hello, Adam. <laughs> How are we doing, chaps? Oh, the day of recording is the day after the Euro 2020 final. Italy are champions of Europe once again, having been England on penalties. I mean, I'm obviously gutted, but fair enough, we lost to the best team. How are you two feeling? I am a little fragile, I will admit. The healing process has begun, but I did slightly overdo it last night. And I think I traumatised the kids and the dog and the rabbits with all the shouting and screaming at the TV. We went toe-to-toe with Italy over 120 minutes and a great achievement. And so, yeah, just fantastic to be involved in a final, I think. Yeah, similar, obviously disappointed by the results. But to be honest, I don't think I ever really expected that we would win. I, I, I think that's a general thing for British genuine football fans is we, we always have this thing of starting a game thinking, oh, we're not going to win and we're going to muck it up. But what excited me most from the game was actually how well our team played and considering so many of them are so young and will be amazing players in the next decade, in the next four years, in the next two years. I think the promise for the future, the fact that we got to the final and also, you know, how well they're already playing, I think we've got a lot to look forward to. Absolutely. Before I continue agreeing with you, I just want to clear something up because anyone who's listening in Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland will be going absolutely crazy about that. I'm sure you meant English football fans because Scottish fans and Welsh fans particularly just happy to be in the tournament and having a great time. Every time I've seen particularly Wales in a tournament, they have an amazing time. And as I said, I was at the England-Scotland game as a mongrel. The Scottish fans were having the time of their life at Wembley. But yeah, I think you're right. Roll on Qatar next Christmas. I wanted to see if either of you spotted Gary Lineker's little callback to Des Lynham at the top of the BBC. Did you watch it on the Beeb? I assume you watched it on the Beeb. Of course. So he opened the show with, shouldn't you be at church? Which was a callback to a a Des Lynham, shouldn't you be at work during the World Cup? I think um, it must have been the World Cup in Tokyo or somewhere. Was that Des? Anyway, there was a definite callback to the old Des Lynham, shouldn't you be at work line. I missed that. But to be honest, I was just chatting away to everyone. I couldn't I couldn't watch the build up. I was already too hyped. I, did, I didn't have it in me to, to, to survive some montages as well as all the other anxiety and nerves. <laughs> I've definitely got emotional watching a couple of montages over the last few weeks. Absolutely. And also, I know I've already mentioned the the youth of a lot of our team, but seeing Southgate hug, like emotionally support Saka and other kind of young players who've done so well and take so much onto their shoulders in those final penalties. Yeah, really brought his mind and pride to my eyes as to what an amazing man Southgate is, but also what an amazing team we have. Other than football, uh, what else have we been up to? So, as you know, I've been watching Loki, and it was the fifth episode of Loki this week, and it was definitely the best yet. We had the pleasure, the absolute joy, of Richard E. Grant making his full MCU debut. He appeared at the very end of the previous episode, 
and he knocked it out of the park. Nobody else on this planet could have done what Richard E. Grant did in that episode. And it was just fantastic. In the same way that Tom Hiddleston made Loki a fan favourite, which kind of brought this series out, I think, Richard E. Grant deserves something more than um, his appearance in this episode. Um, and I hope, hope he gets it at some point down the line. It's funny, isn't it? Once you've got your character in the, in the MCU, that's pretty much it. You get one shot, usually. So yeah, really enjoying Loki. Really looking forward to the final episode in a couple of days' time. I really need to catch up on Loki. I've seen the first episode, we liked it. And I've managed to watch episode three of Sweet Tooth. I've also watched, and we're going to come to the, the watch, but I've watched episode two, which I believe you two have as well. And to be honest, that's all I've had time for with the football going on and, you know, kind of other stuff in life. So actually now that football and Wimbledon, yeah, I think I'm coming up to time to properly binge some stuff. We've only got to the 27th of July because then we've got talking about Tokyo. We've got the Olympics starting up again, which is going to be absolutely amazing. I'm really excited about the Olympics. I haven't started watching the uh, any of the preview stuff to, to continue the hype, but I have been watching more of Beck, which I mentioned last week, which is the Swedish kind of cop series. Each episode is pretty much feature length. Brilliant. It's a really strong... Not, I mean, to call it a procedural police drama, I think is unfair. They're standalone films, and the current series is on iPlayer. I highly recommend... You both give it a go, although they are, as I said, very long episodes. I think bringing up the Olympics is a really interesting one. I think TV presenting of live sports is a real mix between film and theatre in the sense that the audience who are there live makes such a difference. And we've seen that with the Euros as to the crowd at Wembley and the FK. Unfortunately, there's been times where we've had a lot of booze, but we've also had a lot of cheers, and it makes a massive difference to how the the footballers play. With the Olympics in Japan, it's now confirmed there will be no spectators. So I think that will be really interesting, and I'm dreading that it will deaden the what, what we would normally experience watching that. If an athlete falls over a hurdle in an empty stadium, does it really happen? <laughs> Talking about things that were a little bit dead, I started to watch another series on Netflix. I got all of 10 minutes in because it was terrible. And it is a show called Sex Life, which people have been going absolutely nuts about on social media. I watched it because the lead character is Billy Connolly is played by an actress called Sarah Sahi, who is in one of my favourite TV shows of the last 15 years person of interest she plays Shah in that and she's absolutely amazing so I thought well let's let's see what this is all about and yeah it's it's definitely not for me it's not a particularly great show I'm re I'm really glad you said that demo because I was quite interested in it in in theory because I was looking up tv shows that I haven't been watching ready for our you know face off and sex life did come up and I thought mm, that sounds interesting but it also sounds a little bit gratuitous and I don't know. I ended up anyway coming up with something else. But to hear that one of my potential choices has had bad reviews, I'm, I'm kind of glad with what I've chosen for later. Well, it's, it's all, as, as with many things, it's down to your, your preferences. 
But yeah, for me, I was just like, it's not very well written. It seems to be kind of really heavily leaning on the sexual aspect of it rather than any kind of storyline. I think obviously there's some things that we like and the others perhaps don't, but we do value your opinions, Damo. And proof of that is that I dove into Brooklyn Nine-Nine this week. Oh. Uh, Having got to the end of the first season of The Handmaid's Tale, decided I'd take a break before I dip my toes into season two of that. And I thought, well, I need something that's going to just be a, a, a bit of a breath of fresh air, really, after watching that. So I, I, I hit up the first couple of episodes of that, and it definitely made me laugh. Some very funny stuff in there. I think it treads a really fine line at times, but it does an excellent job of, of parodying those cop dramas. And it's funny, the only other person who's mentioned that show to me before is my youngest brother, John. And I think you both have some similar tastes, some crossover in your tastes. So he's really cool as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah, the coolest. And like us, he's younger than you. <laughs> he's a lot younger than me. <laughs> now, it's a great ensemble cast, I think. I think. That's one of the strengths of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that everyone's good, and the longer it goes on, the more the other characters get. And some of the recurring guest characters are just brilliant. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely add it to my list. I mean, unfortunately, this is quite long right now. Adam, you say you just finished season one of Handmaid's Tale. I mean, I loved season one. I kind of went off it after that, but I absolutely love season one. So, yeah, give us a little bit of feedback on that. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was pretty brutal in places. And I was glad that I kind of had initially sweet tooth to sort of break up watching episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. I can see why... At the end of season one, people wanted more. The story kind of leaves you wanting more. You want to know what happens next to the characters. So I can understand if season two perhaps wasn't as strong, why people would have been, that that disappointment would have been amplified. I think when you've enjoyed something a lot and you think there's more of it coming, your excitement levels kind of go up. So therefore any disappointment then is multiplied. But I'm going to reserve judgment on season two of The Handmaid's Tale. I'm definitely going to pick it up again um, because I'm just really curious to see what they do with that story and where they take it next. Well, to be honest, the book itself, which I think early 80s or mid 80s, the outward wrote it, that leaves you wanting more anyway. So the, the series completely achieved that with series one that was covering that. So no, I, I, I think that's a great thing. Yeah, excellent performances throughout. Really, really beautifully put together. I highly recommend if, if anyone out there, like me, hasn't watched The Handmaid's Tale yet, then it's definitely worth a watch. But as you were saying, Adam, about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I said last week, I'm very excited about the final series of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It drops a month today as of recording on the 12th of August. I really cannot wait. It's been ages, obviously, since the last one due to COVID. What else are we all looking forward to? Well, the day before... On the 11th of August, Marvel's uh, latest series, the What If series, comes out. This is an animated series of programmes that are inspired by the, the What If comic books, where each of those comic books would imagine a certain event in Marvel history happening a different way. So what if Captain America never had a shield? That's a really boring one. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> or what if the Hulk was blue instead of being green? Again, a bit inane, but you get the idea. And I've seen a trailer for this and it just looks stunning. So again, if you're not a fan of animated series, 
probably not one for you, but it just looks really fantastic. Um, so I'm very excited for What If coming out on the 11th of August. Well, I'm, I'm going to introduce a quick tangent because it couldn't be more perfect. I've been recently working on a community project where I live in Lambeth that is called What If? Lambeth. And we did lots of workshops with residents on areas like um, community spaces and food and music and fashion, commerce, etc. And the whole idea behind it was to look at, imagine what the future could be like in less than 10 years time in like 2030 which is when Lambeth has said it's going to become carbon neutral you know what what could life be like if, if we had a fair and green and kind of equal reality and I, I just have to say I'm unbelievably proud of the film that I produced and of the director and the cinematographer and the editor and everyone who, who was involved with it. So, yeah, I just thought I would. It just seemed like it's such an obvious time to plug that and you can watch it. The website is whatiflambeth.com. Really easy or one word. What if Lambeth? And it's it, it was as paid for or commissioned by the National Street Community Fund. It's from the transition town movement, and like it could be anywhere. Like it's specifically Lambeth, and you're going to see places in Lambeth. You're going to listen to residents in Lambeth. However. What they're talking about, what they'd actually like to see, the improvements in community and the improvements in local government, etc. To be honest, I think it could be anywhere, probably in the world, but certainly within London and the UK. So, yeah, I'd, I'd hugely recommend watching that. Absolutely. You shared it with us, Neil, and I think it's a brilliant piece of work. Definitely worth a watch. So well done. Huge congratulations on putting that all together. I agree. And I think one of the one of the best things about it, you've already touched on it, Neil, is just how universal it is and, and how it deals with things that all communities, if they aren't already talking about, definitely should be talking about. And don't worry, everyone, there will be a link to it in the show notes so you can watch it yourselves. But to move on from that, some would say in succession of that, big news, series three of Succession has been Drop the trailer. I still haven't watched more than the first episode. Uh, I I don't get it. Um, I'm sure I will once I have watched it. So for all you OG fans, enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that was just me um, being excited. Now, I can't wait. I I think Succession is amazing. And I look forward, actually, I know we've been saying about Peaky Blinders as well, but Maybe with Succession, if we can all get up to date, we can watch it together and do podcasts on it. Sounds good. Right. Drop in this fall. So very soon. No specific release date yet on that one. It's another one on our list of no specific release dates. But we're going to keep our eyes peeled on all of these different shows. So when we do get release dates, we'll be able to tell you all. You can spend some time getting caught up on the first two seasons of Succession. It won't take you very long. And then you'll be all prepped, ready for our podcast episodes on that. Also, I mentioned this last week. um, If you've started, as I told you to, the Walking Dead watch through from series one, we said six days per season. So you should now be just sort of starting certainly a couple of episodes into season two. If you haven't yet started, don't panic. You've still got about 50 days. So it's doable, like five days for a season. The first season is only six episodes. won't take you very long at all. 
and then once you've got that down you'll be you'll be hooked and you won't be able to stop so so get those first 10 seasons of the walking dead down before the 22nd of august when the final season of the walking dead starts we've also talked a bit about sex education season three we know that's coming on september the 17th so that's another one there's two seasons of that that you can get caught up on as well the other thing that i'm looking forward to which i only found out about recently but you may have already heard about house of the dragon do you know about this one this is the new game of thrones series that is adapted from george rr R. martin's book of fire and blood which talks about the 300 years of history before game of thrones takes place it's a prequel book it's about the targaryen dynasty and the sort of infighting between different members of that family the show is going to star Matt Smith, Paddy Constantine, Emma Darcy, Olivia Cook, and Danny Sapani, who I saw in an NT Live thing last year and was incredible. So I could not be more excited about that. So can I double check? That's not the Duncan Egg stories, is it? No, it's a different book. I read Fire and Blood earlier this year. It's really great. The book is a history. It's written in, in the form of a history book, but it's done in a really clever way in that the narrative of that comes from different voices. So different people have have fed into those histories. It's really cleverly done and it's a really great read. So if you enjoyed Game of Thrones and those books, then I think you'd enjoy Fire and Blood as well. But yeah, the series I think will be fantastic. There's some really great, gruesome stuff that happens in that. Lots of dragons, lots and lots. Absolutely. And assuming that they'll have at least close the kind of budget that they had for Game of Thrones, I think we're going to see some amazing stuff. Yeah, I'm sure HBO will pull out all of the stops. So just just as a recap for our listeners there, we've got the new series of Succession, we've got What If, we've got the Game of Thrones show, and we've got all those episodes of The Walking Dead to get your teeth into. And don't forget sex education. Of course, very important, in and out of the school sex education. So those are the shows that we're looking forward to. Now we're going to talk about last episode's winner of The Face-Off, which was Adam with The Watch, based on Terry Pratchett's story dealing with Ank Morhawk's police force. Now, don't worry, listeners, although there will be some spoilers in it, consider this your warning. There are spoilers to the first episode at least. Fact-checking Damon from the future will tell you where to move forward to now. Hello everyone, Demo from the future here. Skip forward to the 32nd minute to remain safe and spoiler free. Okay, right. So Adam, can you give us a quick reminder of what The Watch is about? A group of misfit cops rise up from decades of helplessness to save their corrupt city from catastrophe. That's the kind of tagline. We meet Sam Vimes, who's a bit of a drunkard and we get a flashback to a significant event that happens in his life. He is the captain of The Watch. Crime in the city has been legalised. So we have a Thieves Guild, an Assassin's Guild. We have the... Alchemist Guild? The Alchemist Guild, yeah, who deal with... The Assassin's Guild as well. I mean, I would say decriminalised rather than legitimised or legalised. But yeah, absolutely. Interesting distinction between the two but yes so decriminalized activity is taking place and the watch do just that all they do is watch crime happening they're kind of a a bunch of misfits and they are um 
sort of disillusioned. And then into this comes Constable Carrot, a new uh, officer who's come down from the Dwarven Mountains, but he's quite tall for a dwarf. It's very funny. There's lots of comedy in there. We get sort of straight into the action and the adventure, and it's very, very fast-paced. I have never read a Terry Pratchett book in my life. Um, I've always meant to at some point. I've just never gotten around to it. So I didn't really know this world before coming into the TV show. And I will admit that at the beginning, it was a little bit bewildering. It was so fast-paced. I love stuff that goes fast, but this was a little bit bewildering. Enough things get repeated for you to sort of pick up on it. But I watched the second episode, and then I went back and watched the first episode because I knew we'd be talking about it, and spotted so much more stuff on the second watch. So I do think it sort of warrants a, a rewatch almost once you've once you've done maybe three or four episodes. But yeah, I enjoyed it. How about you, Neil? I would actually highly recommend on kind of many levels, but I'll also accept that I think they kind of missed the penalty <laughs> in certain choices that they made. I think it's important to say that it's it's set in a kind of dystopian slash well in this case dystopian Dana you sent a message to us about cyberpunk which ironically I've come across on on environmental projects I'm doing but in this case dystopian cyberpunk can also be utopian and if you want to think I mean kind of cyberpunk as a genre started or in the kind of mid-70s with Judge Dredd, you've also got Blade Runner, you've also got The Matrix. So if you haven't watched it, kind of think about those as far as the kind of world and how it works and its politics. I think it's got a fantastic cast. I think Richard Dormer particularly is an unexpectedly great Sam Vines. It's not how I pictured from the books or the show that I acted in and... Yeah, I, I, I think he's done amazing. So, no, I, I would say it's really good. I think I think it doesn't have enough of Pratchett's humour, which is very specific and almost niche and unique to his writing in the books. Um, I don't think there's enough of that. It's almost Python-esque, but not quite. And, like, Sam Vimes in the books is constantly either misquoting or quoting Clint Eastwood in various westerns or Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca or whatever like like there's a regular you know kind of use of quotes from those films and that's not here at all so I think I think diehard fans of Pratchett will be not disappointed but will be frustrated by there not being more more time given to what was originally in the books. Yeah, so which is where I stand in as a diehard fan of Terry Pratchett. I'm not convinced, I'm afraid. So I was kind of 50-50 by the end of the first episode, and I really struggled to get through the second episode. I left I left it twice and forced myself back to watch it, and I, I'm not going back for the third episode, I'm afraid. It's a real shame. I think you're right, Neil. So much of the, the greatness of Terry Pratchett's novels is his sense of humour. And I do think that is lost. And it's really, I mean, it's telling that in an interview with Terry Pratchett's daughter, whose name escapes me at this moment, she absolutely slammed this series. I, I mean, I think she's right. I, I get it. I think if you don't know much about it, 
then I think it'll be very enjoyable. If you're not a Pratchett fan, I think you'll enjoy it for what it is. It's it's definitely a spectacle. And yeah, I just think that the script isn't as tight and as funny as it should be. Yeah, as great as Richard Dormer is, he's not like the Sam Vines in the books. Like you were saying, he's kind of almost like... Um, feel like Richard Dormer's Vimes is a bit of a, a lovable loser, whereas Sam Vimes has managed to make his way to the top of the watch by being actually fairly on top of stuff because you can't not. He's savvy, which I don't think uh, this Vimes is, but, you know, equally I get it. It's very difficult to cater to the tourist and the specialist, and in this instance, I am the specialist, and that maybe just doesn't quite work in the format that they've gone for. I also am just a little disappointed in the cyberpunk setting because it is fantasy. And I just feel like had they gone with the more kind of standard Pratchett-esque thing of it being like maybe a few centuries ago, you know, relative to our timeline. So whether it is the restoration or maybe or Victorian, I kind of always feel like at Moorpork in the books is almost Victorian. Uh, you know, beginning of the Industrial Revolution, had there been, you know, magical creatures and actual magic during the Industrial Revolution here, that's kind of what we'd get. But, you know, as I've said before, I'm not necessarily sure that it's aimed at someone like me anyway. Adam, as someone who doesn't know much about it, what, what, what are your kind of thoughts to that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, the point that you make, and especially hearing what you're saying about Pratchett's daughter being disappointed with it and I think you know how much responsibility do these producers tv producers etc whoever's adapting any form of anything into something else how much responsibility do they have to the original text and how much of it is about them creating something new I mean I think something that did this successfully that we all obviously love is The Walking Dead and that the tv show did a really brilliant job of being faithful to those comic books definitely helped that Robert Kirkman was involved in in both but yeah I just think it's a really interesting topic I would love to hear other people's views on 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 that whether adaptation owes any debt of responsibility to the original creation I agree that there's a huge question mark here and I don't think any of the three of us have watched more than episode two I think episode two kind of gave us a much better idea as to where they're heading with the series i think there's eight in series one eight episodes i mean it doesn't quite have the budget of game of thrones but it has a decent budget i mean like there's some really decent cgi and other stuff in there i'm i'm kind of on pause as far as the setting because i do wonder whether the way they've set it will actually reinvent this world for young fans for the young people you get get them involved and that can only be a good thing yeah we can be disappointed that it isn't quite when we originally read the novels etc but may maybe it could be a good thing or at least a thing it doesn't have to be a good thing but it can be a thing if it if it you know, kind of adds interest. And I'd certainly like to give a shout out to a lot of the performers. I think Richard Dormer did great work with the version of Sam Vimes that he was no doubt being pushed or asked to be performing and, and maybe well um, contributing towards that version. I think 
Adam Hugill, who is Constable Carrot. To be honest, he's actually the closest to the character I read in the books. So I, I particularly like him. Anna Chancellor is Lord Veterani, and who is referred to as Sir. So the whole kind of gender doesn't have to be a male to be called Sir. I thought that was really good as well. And we're also, if you've only watched episode one, we're expecting Paul Kay, James Fleet, Matt Berry, like some fantastic English TV actors that I'm really excited about. So... Yeah, I mean, as a Pratchett fan, I've got a few things I'm disappointed about. But overall, I would say this has promise. Just talking about that cast remind me of the one thing that I do think they absolutely nailed. One of the best characters in all of Terry Pratchett's books, Death, voiced by Wendell Pierce. I mean, Wendell Pierce is brilliant in everything he does. Motherfucker. But... I think that's one uh, thing that I really enjoyed about the Terry Pratchett books is this kind of idea of death and the character. And I think Wendell Pierce kind of did a really good job with that. It's no spoiler that basically Sam Vines is in talks with death right from the beginning of episode one. And any Pratchett fan will be familiar with Death as a character. We find out later why they're in that conversation. But it was a really good... I I mean, I, I had questions at points, but I thought generally it was a really good way of giving a backstory to Biden's character in episode one. Like, you know, seeing your life before you pass away type thing. Yeah, and I, I thought that was good. And yeah, as you say, Death is an amazing character in all of the Pratchett books. Wendell Pierce, obviously Bunk in The Wire, the greatest TV show ever made. I really enjoyed the joke about exposition that was made towards the end of the first episode. And I thought, given that we talk about exposition quite a lot when we talk about these first episodes, that was that was a really lovely touch. There were some other little bits and pieces that I enjoyed about it. I just want to pick up. I thought the comedy goblins uh, were great. Some of the best lines, I think, came in Another Tongue when we had them subtitled. Um, some really good gags in that, especially in episode two. When we see the flashback from Sam Vimes and we meet his captain, who makes a speech about the watch being hope, being justice, saying that Sam is going to save the city that he's going to be an inspiration and all this stuff. So it was really sort of flagging what I imagine is going to come later on in the series, in this uh, in this early speech. And it's within the first five minutes, and I quite enjoyed that. And then seeing sort of where Sam Vimes is now at the beginning and kind of being able to sort of foreshadow his journey throughout the whole thing. Something else I think only happens in episode two, so this will be a little spoiler for episode two, but Angua, who is a werewolf, she says she wants to decide who gets to watch her change into a, a werewolf. So it's kind of like, a, she, you know, she's afraid and ashamed and she decides. So it's kind of almost don't watch this bit. And of course, you know, you get the pun of the watch just watching. It's not really a pun. But also that kind of is significant for Sam and his journey as well. So I just liked all of that little, you know, the, the links to the title of the show um, with all of the different characters I thought was really interesting. So... Damien, you, you said you probably will watch episode three. It sounds like Adam is a little bit more tempted to watch episode three. I'm definitely going to watch episode three. So is that what we're sticking at? Are you, Demi, definitely going to watch episode three? And Adam, might you watch episode three? 
I think I will stick with it and, and, and watch the rest. But I'm also going to make a promise to read a Terry Pratchett book as well. So that's, uh, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. I probably won't. But then again, the Euros aren't on and I'm already feeling bereft. So there's every chance I may give it another go. But what I will definitely do is read the other George R. R. Martin book that you mentioned, Adam, because I remember it coming out. And I don't know why I didn't get it. Maybe we could do a book swap. Sounds good to me. I've got so many Terry Pratchett books. Same here, yeah. As I said last time, Adam, the watch ones are all really good, but I would recommend that you read The Colour of Magic and The Light Fantastic first, which are the first two that he wrote that are about the, the Unseen University, which is where all the wizards are, with an amazing character called Rincewind. But enough of last week's winner. Now is time for this episode's Face to Face. Adam won last time, and so that means this time he is the remote controller. How are you feeling about this, Adam? Excited. I'm going to be much more decisive than I was with the last time I was in this position when I made a big hash of it. So, yeah, I've got my decisive shoes on. He's going to decide who's had less wins and give it to them that way. No, it's totally going to be judged on the merits of your pitches. So this is how well you pitch it. And, and, you know, also balanced with kind of how interested I am in the show that you pitch. All right. So this time round, I will be bringing forth a show called On Becoming a God in Central Florida. Neil, what show will you be proffering? This time I'm going to be proffering a show called Blind Spotting, which is a comedy drama from America. And I'll tell you more about it when I'm given the opportunity to do so. Okay, so I'm going to ask Neil to go first. Are you ready? Okay. Your time starts now. Okay, so I'm suggesting a TV comedy drama series that's had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's called Blind Spotting. And it's a spin-off sequel of the 2018 film of the same name. It's set six months after the events of the film. The series follows the main character and her boyfriend. And the father of her son is suddenly incarcerated, forcing her to move in with her mother-in-law. And it's honestly, it's got so much um, support from Rotten Tomato viewers. Um, It sounds to me like well worth watching. Time's up, Neil. Time's up there. Uh, I'll let you have a little bit longer there because um, thank you. You had some technical issues. Can you just just recap for me what it's about? So the plot is it's basically set six months after the events of the film, and the series follows Ashley after Miles, her boyfriend and the father of their son, who's suddenly incarcerated, and it forces her to move in with. Her mother-in-law co-stars a whole load of American TV actors, but yeah, it, it's I, I don't, yeah. I mean, from what I've read about it, and like I say, it's had a hundred percent support from Rotten Tomatoes. It seems like it's a black comedy that is worth trying out. Cool. Do we know what channel it's on? Yeah, it's on Stars. I need to have a look to see if there's ways of finding it through Amazon or Netflix or anywhere else. But yeah, maybe that'll be the downside. That might sway your vote, Adam. Well, what I will say in the interests of fair play and sportsmanship is that if you have Amazon Prime, there is a Stars channel, which is a premium subscription. So you have to pay extra for it. 
we've occasionally got it for a month at a time. There's lots of great stuff on there. So I'm not sure how much it is, but, you know, it is worth at least getting it for a month because there is so much good stuff on there. Really difficult to sort of recommend something that one hasn't personally watched. Like, you know, we're kind of, each of us, you, you and me, Demi, we, you know, we, we reach out to find out what's out there but we can't actually say it's amazing we can just say you know what the various blurb and publicity we get interested in so neil how many episodes are there there's one season and it's come out over the last year so yeah potentially it could end up running for ages and you're gonna watch it right as it became hot but of course as you said you don't know if it's actually any good no, no, I, no, I honestly don't, and neither do you. With whatever you're suggesting, Demo. <laughs> I thought Stars was what Disney had bought, is it not? That's something. Else. Oh, it might be. It might be yeah. on the Disney Channel as well. But it, it def- there is a channel of it on Amazon Prime as well. Okay, cool. So, Damien, are you ready for your thirty second? Okay, your time starts now. So, On Becoming a God in Central Florida is on Netflix. It's 10 episodes. It's a dark comedy starring Kirsten Dunst. And it is a story about a new mother to a baby girl called Destiny, uh, whose recovering alcoholic husband, Travis, played by the wonderful Alexander Skarsgård, is now kind of brought into a pyramid scheme. He, I believe, passes away, hashtag spoilers. And it's about her life dealing with a baby and no fucking money. I think that was 30 seconds on the dot, wasn't it? Yeah, well, 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 time. Yeah, very good, very good. This is going to be um, my decisive making pants that I'm wearing have led me to make a very quick decision. Um, and whilst I was, again, you've given me, without really discussing this between yourselves, you've given me both comedy dramas. Last time it was sitcoms. Now we're both giving me a comedy drama off. So yeah, there's kind of two things that have swayed my decision. No questions? No questions for you. I'm asking, has anyone got any questions for me here? Or are we just going to move on? Tell us again what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> the format is flawless. All right. So it's Kirsten Dunst is the lead. Alexander Skarsgård plays her husband who gets drawn into a pyramid scheme. He passes away, I believe. And so she's left with her new baby. No money. So there's two reasons for my decision. One is that the thought of watching a show about a mother-in-law might just be a little bit too... Hold on, you've asked him questions. Why can't I answer questions? You could ask him questions. Okay, two seconds. I want to quote some reviews the the show's had. <laughs> I just need to find them, because I did find them earlier. <laughs> Helen Hunt's in it, by the way. Surely that has to win oh, yeah, some she points. Is. She is good. What's that? In your one? Yeah, in my one. Helen Hunt is in the blind spotting. Well, why didn't you lead with that? Well, I'm telling you now. I thought you were asking questions of Damien, not providing more information on your... Yeah, no, you've just given Damien an option to provide more information. I I think it's only fair that I also get that opportunity. I thought you did. In what way? I definitely... I asked asked you you to recap what happened to me. I mean, it, it all happened. It is recorded. Okay, no, fine. Leave it as it is. Go on. <laughs> Go on, Adam. Make your judgment. Well, And I hope you sleep well at night. <laughs> <laughs> I 
there's there were two factors in my decision making. One is is mother-in-law might might be a bit traumatic for me given sort of the recent visit. I thought you loved your mother-in-law, Adam. I don't think you have any problems or you know kind of trauma around your mother-in-law. I do. I absolutely love my mother-in-law. She's she's wonderful and very good to me. But the other reason is that Damien had me at Kirsten Dunst. Um, I'm a big big fan of Kirsten Dunst. The winner will be this week on Becoming a God in Central Florida. Sorry, Neil. You know, you'll be back, I'm sure. No, it's fine. This time it wasn't a pity vote for Damo. So. Um, I think what it is is that you're such a gracious loser, Neil, in this. I think that's what, that's what I enjoy about it. <laughs> um, and as always, recommend to us, listeners, like, tell us what you want us to watch and talk about. Absolutely. And there's a very easy way for people to do that, Neil. And that is through the social. You can find us at TVDNAPod on Instagram and on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook if you go to the search bar and put TV space DNA. And also, of course, you can email us if you want to send us a lengthy, long form critique of the show, which is TVDNAPod at gmail.com. The other thing you can do for us is go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star rating and drop us a review and that will really help us to generate more audience for the show so if you are a listener out there and you haven't yet reviewed us on apple podcasts get out there and do that and maybe we'll read your review on our show next time around absolutely and if you are a long-term listener please make sure to let us know in the review did adam give me that previous win out of pity or was it a genuine win all right i think we all know the answer to that Damon. I know, but some people might also think it's a pity win, Neil, so we have to let them speak as well. <laughs> but it's not just Apple Podcasts. You can find us in all sorts of other places where you download your pods. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes of Us Talking Drivel. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As I said, make sure you let us know what you think about what we're chatting about, whether it be positive or negative. It's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Adios, amigos. Au revoir, mes petits champignons. Adam will be the chooser, as that's the official title. And I will be taking on Neil. My show... That Sorry, helped. can we make the official title The Remote Controller? Oh. <laughs> look at that. Amazing work. Can we also acknowledge that Damo would never be able to take on Neil? Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I could be a dirty fighter. You don't know. No, I'm a lover, not a fighter. 